Yeah, you can have everything, but if you don't have love, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. Uh, I grabbed that song this week. Uh, it's different from what we had last week. And uh, they said, who is that? I said, I don't really know her name very well. She's not one of our more famous art- artists. But, man, that song is so powerful and so good. And, and students, I can't thank you enough. Wow, how awesome was worship. Amen. Wow. We were discussing in staff meeting um, that they might do a skit, you know. And I said, what about that stick thing? You know, I call it the stick thing. And, well, we've done that before. I said, yeah, but it's so good. And I leaned over to David after they had done. I said, it never grows old. It never grows old. It's so powerful. And thank you guys for doing a great job ushering all that you've done on the stage. Uh, we appreciate you very much. And we celebrate um, your lives um, today very much so. Hey, we're in lesson number two of our series, Love, It Ain't for Sissies. And again, what, we're, what we know is, is that whenever you're talking with people, dealing with people, um, let's just not for sissies, okay? And then when you take the principles of God's word and apply the love deal, you know, loving someone that, that hurts you or abuses you, um, someone who's, who's angry at you, when you include that, it really is difficult, and the truth is, it's not for sissies. And yet, and yet, here comes Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, says, now look, wait. He says, now, of the three things, of the three things, you know, faith, hope, and love. And these are all juggernauts, okay, of the Bible, of what we believe about the Bible. And, you know, it's faith, hope, and love. But Paul says... The greatest of these is love. And that's what this journey that we're on um, this month is about, this juggernaut of this thing. The greatest, Paul said, um, is love. It's easy to understand if you think about it because the Bible tells us over again that God is love. That God is love. And of course then, love would be the greatest. Well, I wouldn't ordinarily take time to tell you this, but I think it's important. You know, so, so we're working through the message this week. Um, and then I, I reached a conclusion that, you know, I, I, I do this note page thing, and you all see that in the worship event and uh, that way. And so I'm sitting there, I'm going, it's very important I don't write a lot of extra stuff down. And so I tried not to, but as I was studying, this first page got huge on me. And, and this morning, of all times, uh, this morning God says, okay, and really, I really think it was the Lord. You know, God's going to say, okay, just page one. And it would do, do the other part later and do page one. So this is going to be a two-parter, okay? And we're going to look at the house that love builds, part one this week. And it's very practical. In fact, you may say, well, I thought this was about love. I'm not hearing a lot of love in there. Well, next week is a challenging part number two that talks a whole lot about love. But I'm telling you the practical truths of what you're going to hear today are huge, are huge. So I hope you'll give me your ear and give me your attention as we share from God's word about the house that love builds. Now it starts out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, chapter 127, uh, Psalm 127 and verse number 1. Now, the house that love builds, you know, what's really important about a, found, about a house is the foundation that's laid. Um, Judy and I served in, in the Air Force. I served, and she was tagged along for the ride. And, but we spent three years in Germany. Um, and it's really hard, unless you've, never been, if, unless you've never been there, it's hard to realize how compact Europe is. Um, so the pastor walks up one day, and of course I'm in the Air Force. I'm leading music at the church as a layperson. Um, and he says, hey, 
What do you say that we go to Naples, Italy? Um, I'm, I've been asked to preach a revival. Judy can play the piano and you can preach um, and drive and we'll go down to Naples, Italy. And I thought, wow, that sounded really cool. So his wife was German and she kind of acted like the translator when we needed one. And sure enough, he preached and I led the music and Judy played the piano. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. So we hop in our car, okay, and we're located up in Central Europe in Germany and we drive to Naples, Italy. Now, if you know anything about Naples, Italy, well, first off, about Italy, it's long and skinny, okay? And at the very bottom of what they call the boot is this town called Naples. And you say, oh my gosh, you drove that far? It wasn't that far. I looked it up today and just asked old Siri, oh, my, uh-oh. I, I talked to Siri and said, hey, I said, um, so, so how far, how long does it take to drive? Because I don't remember. How long does it take to drive um, from Kaiserslautern, Germany to, to Naples, Italy? It was only 13 hours and 38 minutes. It's kind of like, like driving from here to Naples, Florida. Now, it's a couple hours. Actually, it's a couple hours longer going to Naples, uh, Florida, okay? But it was 1338 and 1538. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so, so we just get in our car and we drive. It's amazing. Well, we get there. And, and it's really funny because I don't remember a whole lot about the trip. I remember we ate some great Italian food. Of course, I remember that. Um, and then, but then I remember Naples being amazed. It was, um, it's kind of like a dirty city. It was congested. It was crowded. But here's what was crazy. Um, Naples is built on all these hills, all these hills. And like a zillion people are crowded into this city. So what they did was they built houses everywhere. And so you would be looking up and there on the side of these very steep hills would be these houses built. And they're built on literally what looks like sticks. I mean, we would say concrete pillars, okay? And they may have been like four by fours, but they weren't any bigger than that. And they would do this crazy cross weave of of sticks going up, holding this house up. You know, the front would be level with the side of the mountain, and the bottom might be like 30 or 40 feet, okay? And Judy, that's one thing I remember. I remember telling Judy, I said, I cannot believe this. There is no way that's got to be safe. Because, you know, when you build a house, you need a foundation. And these had none. Well... We go back to Germany, eventually we go back to America, and it seems like about a year after we got back, there was a very big earthquake in southern Italy in the area of Naples. And as I watched the news, I saw so many of those houses that we had seen with our eyes, the ones that had the sticks, the ones who had no foundation, as they crumbled down the side of the mountain. Crumbled down the side of the mountain. As I thought about that, I said, oh my gosh, that's what happens with our lives. We, we build these houses in the most precarious of situations. We build our lives on the most precarious of places. Um, we, we build our careers. We build our families. We build our homes. And we put these crazy foundations under it. And you know, it's just a matter of time until something happens and the foundation crumbles. So we want to spend the entire time together talking about that foundation. How can we make sure that our lives, our careers, our homes are built with a solid foundation? We start out again with Psalm 127, verse number one and A. It's a great verse. It's a great verse. And the psalmist writes and says, unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders or the workers is wasted. And what the psalmist is saying is that unless we get God smack dab in the middle of our lives, 
We're going to waste a lot of energy, a lot of supplies, a lot of building equipment. We're going to waste a lot in our lives. Now, now to bring all this into context, you know, imagine that house, that house is your life, okay? And students, imagine, if you will, that house is your lives, your future lives. So many of you being, you know what, you know, anywhere from, let's say, sixth grade up to twelfth grade, you know, your life, imagine that being your life. And imagine, imagine if you're a working person today, imagine that being your career. Imagine it being your character. Imagine it being your integrity. If you're parents, imagine that being your home. Okay? So imagine, smack down in the middle of that verse, the author talks about building a house. And he talks about, we need a little help. Because he says, unless the Lord builds a house. Imagine the Lord being your general contractor. Remember, imagine that you are building a home. You are building a life. You are building a, a character. You are building an integrity. Imagine that. We need a general contractor. And often when they build a home, they have someone who is in charge of the project. And I think that someone are many other workers. We need God. We need Jesus to be our general contractor. We need, so, we, need someone, we need someone who will, who will watch over the supplies. We, we need someone who will watch over the quality of the work. We need someone who will help direct us in this path that we call life. And God wants to be your general contractor. And yes, just like we saw in Jamal's life and, and uh, uh, Kayla Christ came... Uh, Micaiah came forward in first service and she committed her life to Jesus Christ last night and came forward. You know, she made Jesus Christ the boss of her life. She surrendered her life fully to the general contractor, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so we need a general contractor like Jesus in our lives. And students, you're going to need that. Now, right now, life is pretty easy. Mom and dad take care of the basic things that you need. But you're going to grow up in a world that's going to be pretty difficult. Christ follower or not. You're going to grow up into a difficult world, okay? But without Christ, it's even more difficult. So, so, we need, so we need then this general contractor called Jesus to help us build our house. And if we don't, then what happens? The work of the builders is wasted. How many times have you said, I really tried to do everything right? As a dad... I tried to do it right. As a mom, I tried to do it right. As a student in the family, I tried to do it right. And all it came out was disaster. Why does that happen? Well, that's what we want to talk about. And by the way, sometimes it just happens. But sometimes there's a reason why it happens. Now, if you're going to have Jesus or the Lord be the general contractor of your building project, which is your life, your career, uh, your integrity, your home, whatever it might be, if you're going to have the Lord there, he's, he's got some rules to follow, okay? He's got some principles. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write down precepts and principles. Precepts and principles. The general contractor, he would say this, if you're going to work on my job site, if you're going to work on my job site, there's certain, there's certain rules that I'm going to give you to work on my, on my job site. And we would call them today, for the purpose of our message, we're going to call them principles and precepts. We're going to talk about God's got some really good advice for us. Some wisdom for us. But he's also got some non-negotiable rules, and those are the precepts, for us to follow. 
Okay? So, write that down. Okay, God had, and we know that. God's got some wisdom, and God's got some rules for us to follow. Check. Got that, Dwayne. Okay. Here's the big part. Our general contractor says, not only do I have principles and precepts, I need for you to practice those. I mean, you show up for work at the work site, and the general contractor says, okay, I need for you to sign this, because it's kind of our non-negotiables here. As you work on my work site, there are things you've got to do. Okay? So we sign off on it. But to be practical, we have to practice them. And so that is, and that's the whole big picture of our story today from the Word of God. It's not enough just to know the principles and precepts of God. We've got to practice them. Practice them. So we've got to practice the precepts and the principles. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to persistently practice the precepts and the principles. Practically. Persistently practice the concept. And, and you say, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm trying like to do the God thing right, and it just seems like it doesn't go. Could I ask, are you acknowledging in your life the principles and precepts of God? Are you practicing the precepts and principles of God in your life? Are you persistently practicing the precepts and principles? Because therein lies the secret. Now, in Mark chapter 7, there's this awesome scripture that we all love. We've heard about it. And I really want to bring this in to our families today and our careers and all that we are. But there's this great scripture in Matthew chapter 7. And, and Jesus, like, preaches this long sermon. I mean, you know, it's, it's one you Baptists would like. I mean, he went on and on and on. And he covers so much stuff. Okay, And when he finally gets toward the end of that message with all this stuff, he says something. And it's huge. Look at me. It's huge. It's huge. Here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone... Now, you might say, Dwayne, are you taking this out of context? No. No, because see, it says everyone. So, so whatever he's about to say applies to everyone. See, it applies to everyone. Like if you're, a, if you're here today and you're like a family of one, yeah, it applies to you. Okay? If, if you're just uh, you're engaged to be married, okay, now there's two of you almost, okay, it applies to you. And if, you're, if you just got married and there's no kids yet, it applies to you. And if you're married and you got kids, it applies to you. And if you're married, kids, you got grandkids, it applies to you. So it's for all of us. Here's what he says. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Wow. Jesus says, you know, you've just heard this really long sermon that I've taught you. If you've heard these, that's big. Now listen to me. Let me bring this right up into century 2021. Let me just bring it right up here for us today. Because see, a lot of us to believe, a lot of us believe that it is enough to hear the word of God. So, we value, and we come to church. So we sit in church, and we hear the word of God. Then some of you are involved in a small group, and you go to a small group where a really qualified teacher and a bunch of people, you get in a a circle together, and you talk about the word of God, and, and you hear the word of God. And then some of you go the ultimate step, and sometime during the week, and maybe every day, you read the word of God. And all that is so valuable. 
So Jesus says, well, whoever, everyone who hears these words of mine, oh, 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 and then he throws us a curve. He says this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Huge. Huge. Write it down. Huge. Because, see, it's so easy and you're sitting there and your life is just messed up, okay? Your marriage is a mess. Your parenting's messed up. Students, your match, your, your parents, it's, it's all just messed up. And you're going, what is going on? I'm doing the church thing. I, I'm doing the small group thing. I, I'm reading the Word of God. And it's just a mess. You didn't get to part two. It's not enough just to come and listen to some guy talk on a stage. Or watch it on Facebook. Or watch two sermons on Facebook, me and another guy, or Brent and another guy, okay? It's just not enough. It's not enough just to commit another hour and go to a small group. It's not enough even to read the Word of God if you do it every day. It's not enough. You've got to act on them. Now, dude, this is huge. I'm telling you, you you're, you're wondering why you're, you, you, you sign up with Jesus in your life, isn't that cool? You sign up Jesus and you're going, I don't understand it. It seems like every time I look around, it's not success, it's a failure. There's no joy, there's no peace. Sometimes I wonder why I even do this. This might be why. You're hearing, but you're not acting on. You're hearing, but you're not acting on. And then, and then when we do act on, we sometimes don't get it all the way in. You know, I, was, I got a devotion this week that really made me think about something, about, you know, about obedience. What is obedience? Well, obedience is doing whatever the person or the entity that says to do, do. And that's what you do. But see, here's the deal. Have you ever heard the term partial obedience? Have you heard the term buffet obedience? Yeah, it's like this. You know, I have a personal relationship with Golden Corral. But, but it had been two years since I'd been. I had not been since COVID. Of course, they were closed for a long time. But they finally opened back up. So finally, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I drove down to Carbondale and ate at Golden Crown. And I really like it, not because I can stuff my face. I mean, that's not it. It really is. I enjoy the food, but I like the variety of the food. And boy, I get to go through, and I can tell you almost, here was the potluck. Uh, here was the pot roast. Here was the fish. Here was the bourbon chicken. Over here was the steak. And on and around, and there were the vegetables. It even ended with pizza. And I, and I went through the line twice, and honestly, I didn't overload. You know, I went through the line twice, and I picked this and ignored that and picked this and ignored that. I got to choose exactly what I wanted. That is great for Golden Corral. It stinks for the Word of God. And trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Dwayne and you and me, we like to choose. We, we, we like obedience to the Word of God, but we want to be selective in the Word of God. And that's just not our option. We, guys, we don't have it. You know, students, if, you, know, you make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Okay? You don't all of a sudden go, well, who? You know, on Friday night, I, I choose to disobey. And on Sunday, I'll choose to obey. That's, that's something the, the adults may do, but don't do it. You know, there's no such thing. Actually, you know what partial obedience is? Disobedience. 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 And then there's, this is what sparked this little thought was I got an email and it talked about delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. And what it means is you know there's something you need to do that's right, 
God's telling you to do it, you just kind of put it off. You're, you're not quite ready for it yet. It might be forgiving someone. It might be loving someone. It might be working to make your marriage stronger. It might be better taking care of your body. Okay? It might be lots of things. And you know it's the right thing. And you have this kind of a mentality that goes, well, one day I will. One day I will. One day I'll, I'll do this. One day I'll do that. But here's the deal. Uh, there's a term for that. And it's called disobedience. This, this stage where you're delaying what God says to do is disobedience. And then there's what I came up with this morning, what I call flawed obedience. It's flawed. It's flawed, it's flawed in its motivation. My, my thought was this. You know, when, when you look for loopholes in God's word, be careful. Be careful. It may be flawed obedience. When, when you're wanting out of what you see as a bad marriage and you're waiting for him or her to make the supreme sin and so you can get out of the marriage, well, I've got the right. When you start looking for those kind of rights, you've probably got flawed obedience. Your, your obedience is based on the wrong motivation. And sometimes it leads into disobedience. Disobedience. So, so Jesus comes along and says, okay... When you hear these words of mine and you act on them, when, when, when you surrender yourself to them, when you do them wholly and completely. And now he's going to shift to a metaphor. He's going to shift to telling us a story. So he said, you just heard this great sermon. They're going to call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to be great. You've heard it. Now, let me show you what it's like. So Jesus is going to show us what it's like. And it just happens to do with Psalm 127, 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Okay? So here's the deal. He says this. The person who hears and acts, not just hears, doesn't just go to church, but applies what he hears in church. Doesn't just go to small groups, applies what he hears in small groups. And not only has a quiet time, but actually tries to apply what he hears in his quiet time. Okay? So, so I'm going to liken that person to someone who is wise, and this man comes along and builds his house on a rock. So we have a guy who's going to build a house. Now, we know from the context of the story that, that he's looking at riverfront property. Some of you, some of our families have houses on the river. It's, it's, it's so desirable. It's, sometimes it's passed on from generation to generation. It's so valuable. So this man is looking for a building site to build his house. He knows he can afford and he knows he can do a site down by the river. But something's prodding him. He feels like perhaps he should find a better building site. Now, it doesn't have the best view. It's not waterfront property. But something speaks to him, and he says, this is more safe. It's more practical for me. So, so the Bible says this dude who hears and acts is like a guy, a wise guy, who when he looks for the building site where he's going to build his life, he builds it on the rock. So my question is real simple. Where are you going to build your life? What, what building site are you going to choose? Are you going to choose what's popular and easy and perhaps practical and profitable? Or will you choose? Mm, 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 mm. 
Will you choose what is best for you and your family? Mama, Daddy, where are you going to build your house? Are you going to say, you know what, culture, Dwayne, culture is changed. After all, they say God doesn't exist. That Jesus is a myth. After all, are you going to buy into that? Or are you going to build your house, what Jesus calls the rock? Now, right now your life is going pretty good. You know, your parents are treating you good. Life is pretty good. And so you say, well, why is that so important? Well, it's important because of the rest of the story. Because Jesus says, after this guy chooses this better building site, it doesn't have a great view. It really doesn't have a good view. But it's safe. It's probably safe. Well, the Bible says, so the rain falls. The rain falls, and the rivers rise, and the floods blew and pounded the house. See the rain? Yeah, that's called circumstances. You know, then in there a song, I don't think there is. Isn't there a song that says something about, into every life a little rain must fall? Yeah. Guess what? Rain is going to fall into your life. And can someone say amen to that given the last two years? It's been crazy. We were sitting there on a March Sunday morning saying goodbye to the Keating, sending them off Mission Field. The room was packed. It was awesome. It was total. And the next week we were shut down for 10 weeks. And when we came back, we came back six feet apart. And we're in six inches of cloth. And, and, it, and it worked on families. It worked on churches. It worked on our economy. It worked on, on our society and on our culture. It impacted us. And that's not all. That's not all. Some of you know about the circumstances in your life. You went to the doctor this week. And you didn't get the news you wanted. You found out your husband or wife was not quite as faithful as you thought they were. And, and students, you're sitting there and you, you try to respect your parents and then you found out they weren't playing the game right either. That they said one thing and did another. Circumstances. It can really shake our... Circumstances can really shake our world. And man, and man if, if we're not ready, it can wreck our world. Because see, Jesus said the rain came, but then what happened? The rivers rose. See, enough circumstances can lead to a flood. And a flood can destroy. Waverly, Tennessee. 13 inches of rain in about an hour, hour and a half. Came in a 20-foot wall of water and washed the town away. I saw it with my own eyes. Cars. Houses. Lives. Wrecked. They built their houses next to the creek. Because it was only about 15, 10 feet wide. Maybe 20 inches deep. 20 inches deep. And then came the flood and washed it all away. And then, if that's not enough, we got the wind. You know, the Bible calls Satan the prince and power of the air. And he's watching. He's watching your life. And he's watching to see what goes on in your life. And he sees the circumstances and he, he gets a little antsy. And then the flood comes. And then he comes and stirs the pot. He tells you, if God really loved you, he wouldn't allow this. Didn't the pastor say, if you trust Christ, you'll never be hungry or sick or poor? Didn't he say that? Have you come to the conclusion yet that God's only in this for his gain and not yours? Hmm. 
And if we're not careful, we'll believe that junk. In fact, we will believe it unless we're hearing and acting. Well, this guy, this guy experienced all of that. But guess what? Look what the Bible says. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and they pounded the house. I mean, you know, he was doing it right, but his house still got pounded. Hey, listen, write this down. It's not a question, will your house get pounded? It is, when will your house be pounded? The circumstances and the floods and Satan is going to mess with your house. And he's going to try to make it crumble. It will get pounded. That's why this is so important. That's why it's so, that we hear and apply the word of God. The power is in the application, not the hearing. The, the power is in the application and not just the hearing. Well, the Bible says it came and it didn't collapse, so the house stood firm. Because of where he built it, he had a good foundation on the rock. And because of that foundation, it stood firm. I found the coolest verse Tucked away. <laughs> Did you know there's a book in the Bible rated PG-13? And some would, deda- some would debate it has to be rated R. Yeah, it's called the Song of Solomon. Have you ever noticed you never hear me preach about that? Oh, there's a reason. <laughs> that, that book is definitely for small groups. <laughs> not, not for here. But anyway, there's a verse there that I found. And I went, oh my goodness. And it's funny because Song of Solomon, the initials are S-O-S. And when you feel like the circumstances are about to get you, and you feel like the flood's about to get you, and Satan's messing with you, there's an SOS. Here it is. A huge torrent cannot extinguish love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Wow. I'll read it to you again. I'll give it to you again next week. A huge torrent cannot extinguish love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Wow. How powerful is that? And see, see, we know that what God, God, God is love. God is love. Jesus is love. And when we build our house on the rock, which includes God's love, a river can't sweep it away. A river can't sweep it away. So yes, so yes. So, so we're going to have rain, we're going to have floods, and, and we're going to have Satan messing with us, okay? But Jesus said, who said it? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus said Jesus said it. If we hear and apply, if we hear and act, if not hear, but we do, then our house will stand strong. Oh, we're still going to get messed with. Oh, there's still going to be circumstances. There might even be a flood. But you'll stand strong because your house is built on the rock. And this is huge because I know, I know, I know, I know. There are people on Facebook right now. There are people on radio right now. And there are people in this room right now. And you're going, man, I, have, I, just, I just can't get it. Do I just can't get it? Would you try it? Would you try hearing and applying? I'm so glad you come to church. I'm so glad you come to small groups. I'm so glad you read your Bible. But what would happen if you seriously attempted to apply what you hear? Well, Jesus gives us the other side. I like that because he gives us one side, then he gives us the other side. So here we go. And you know, he starts out, look, he starts out in verse 26 the same way as the other one. Okay? So the Bible says, but everyone who hears these words of mine. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's because he said it in the first verses. Okay, so now we got a group of people who hear the word of God, which means here's a group of people who come to church. 
just like you. Here are people that maybe go to small groups and they listen to what the small group teacher says. And here are people that may even have a quiet time. It's just like the first group. They hear by church, they hear by small group, they they hear the word of God. But what is different? What is different? One small thing. Look what it says. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them, who doesn't act like them, the the people who hear the word of God, either in church or in small groups or, or through the word of God, reading it in quiet time, who doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, here's what I know. In my life, I'll speak about Dwayne. Um, when Dwayne wants to be wise and follow God, okay, I hear and do. When Dwayne wants to do his own thing, I hear and don't do. So I, as a pastor for 40 years, I'm not an expert and I'm not a scholar, but I know a little bit about the Bible. And, and I'm finding out it's not what I know about the Bible. It's what I'm not willing to do about the Oh, this is good. It's not what I know about the Bible. It's what I choose not to do about the Bible that messes my life up. So, so this guy, he, he's going to build a house too. But now he, he, you know what? He, he said, I've, I've always wanted riverfront property. So he goes down and finds a family that's willing to sell a lot of land. And he looks there, and he's just feet from the river. It's awesome. He can see the fish jumping. see the barges going down. He can cast the fishing line. It was his dream come true. So he builds his house on the sand. It just wasn't a good decision. But boy, was the view good. And was it profitable? He says, I can turn around and sell this in five years and make double my profit, double my investment. What a great deal. Sometimes it's easier to hear and not do. You know, students, you, you know this. You know, if you're at school and you do the Jesus thing, people are going to like, are you nuts? Are you weird? Have you ever been called weird before? Yeah, you know, you know, it happens. It happens at work. It happens at the mine. It happens at school. It happens everywhere. You know, we do the Jesus thing. It's just sometimes easier not to do the Jesus thing. We can hear it on Sunday, but if, we, if we're good at keeping secrets, maybe they won't even know we're a Christian. Hmm. Well, that's our friend, and he builds his house on the sand. It was seemed like a profitable, popular Decision. His wife loved him. His children thought it was awesome. And then, and then, the rain fell. Yeah, see, circumstances happen whether you hear and act or just hear. Circumstances happen. And guess what? Floods come. We got some sweet people in our church who are going through a very difficult time right now. Serious health issues. Floods happen to everybody. And can I have an amen here? And Satan messes with everybody. (laughs) Have an amen there? Satan messes with everybody. It's the same for growth groups. The only difference is the preparation for the circumstances for the flood. And for Satan messing with us. 
Well, Jesus already said this guy was pretty foolish. The rain came, and guess what? His house got pounded on. Everybody's house gets pounded on. It's not a matter if your house gets pounded on. It's when your house gets pounded on. And the Bible says it collapsed. That beautiful lakefront, riverfront property collapsed. And only it says that, it says, and by the way, the collapse was big. The collapse was big. You figure you can get away with it. You can't. Your marriage falls apart. Your career's lost because of a bad decision. You know, students, you try something on Friday night you shouldn't try. Satan tells you it's okay. No one will ever find out. And it won't be a habit. And it won't become an addiction. And it does. You know what I'm talking about. And when the collapse comes, it's costly. It's costly. Some of us won't build a, a firm house because we don't pay the price for the foundation. Um, but the cost of the foundation is minuscule to, compared to the cost of the consequences. The cost of the consequences are always bigger. Well, here's our teaching point to wind this thing up. Rock or sand? Need to write that down. Rock or sand? Um, safety or a great view? Safety or a great view? Uh, further back from the river or next to the river? We're going to build our life somewhere. Are you going to choose safety or whatever's easy, popular, profitable? One may be less popular than the other. The view may not be quite as grand, but in the end, it will still be standing while the other becomes so much rubble. There it is, guys. And I'm telling you, see, I, I know, I like it when I like it when I know I'm speaking a truth that you need to hear. I mean, when it's crystal clear, this one to me is crystal clear. Because someone in this room is wondering, why is my life so messed up? I'm telling you, chances are, can't guarantee, chances are you're hearing but not doing. The power of the word is in doing, not just hearing. Is it easy? No. Will you get it right every time? No. Will you get it perfect every time? No. But the power of the word is in the application. Um, there's a song um, that I don't usually burst in the song anymore. It's <laughs> kind of dangerous when you start off key. But this, if you know this, sing along with me. You know, My hope is built on nothing less. Then Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Sing this chorus now. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And that is so much truth. So much truth. And, and students, I wish I could tell you that you know, your world's going to be like smooth sailing and easy. It's going to be pretty messed up. And especially if you're a Jesus follower. It's going to cost you more and more if you're a Jesus follower. But when you build your house on that rock, it will stand. So if you're here today, 
And maybe you're listening on Facebook or you're on the radio and you're going, well, this is an interesting message. Never heard it put this way before. You know, last night when, when Michaela prayed to trust Jesus Christ as her Savior, and, and, you know, I told her, I said, you know, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. The most important decision, more important than college, more important than your career, more important than sports, it's more important than anything, okay, is Jesus Christ. And I explained that to her, and, and I explained to her that it meant making Jesus the new boss of her life. Not for just now, but forever. And maybe that's you today. Man, it's a commitment you need to make. And my friend Jesus, oh, my friend Jesus, well, <laughs> Jesus will be standing next to Brent. <laughs> But my friend Brent will be down front today. And we'd love to share with you about Jesus and what he can do in your life. But for all the rest of us, look at me. All, don't, don't check out yet. All the rest of us, where are you going to build your house? Amen, dude. Amen. On a rock. And the rock is founded by hearing and doing, not just hearing. Wow. Let's pray. Boy, God, you are good. I want to thank this incredible day we have had. Um, thank you for our students. Thank you for the crowd. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, for the wonderful worship. We just got so much to be thankful for. I pray for my friends who might be listening on Facebook or on the radio or even here. I pray for them right now, Father, that you would speak to their hearts uh, and help them realize that, Father, they don't have to go through life um, with a collapsed house, that you want to help them build a strong house. I pray for that. And then, Father, I pray for all of us. Father, starting with this day, on this February the 13th day of 2022, that we will remember, that we will solidify the fact that you are a general contractor. You are God. You are king who has precepts and principles. And we need to practice those persistently in our lives. Speak to our hearts. And, Jesus, I pray this. In your precious name.